That might be cool. Welcome back to That Might Be Cool. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since you guys have heard from me, so I figured I'd uh, end the hiatus, so to speak. I've uh, fully moved and gotten things uh, more or less situated, at least enough to record an episode, so I uh, figured I'd do that. Uh, that was Mixtapes with Elevator Days. Uh, man, welcome back. Uh, it's been it's been two weeks since the last time we had an episode, and... Uh, with a show this popular, you go that long without an episode, and uh, eventually people start saying, oh, really? I didn't notice. Because, uh, you know, that's who we are. Um, but uh, obviously, big changes is uh, if you've been listening to the show for a little while, um, you heard the the episode that we had about, uh, let's see, a month ago now, uh, just covering some of the changes coming. Um, and so we figured we'd... Uh, well, we, me, uh, you know, Chase, for right now at least, is no longer on the show. Um, but I'm still trying to convince him to go ahead and take the leap and move out to California. But uh, thus far, haven't been successful. We'll see, though. We'll see. If y'all, uh, let's see, I guess he doesn't even have a Twitter. If you all go on his Instagram account, uh, you can yell at him and tell him to move out here or whatever and then uh then you don't have to deal with me as much and uh the the better part of the show can be back um anyway <laughs> um yeah fully fully moved in here in la um it's uh it's been really nice so far the the sun hasn't been super nice to me uh being the ginger that i am i uh got myself a really wicked sunburn uh already so it's uh it's not been comfortable. Um, I've spent most of today fidgeting and twitching and, and you know, that, that thing you do when you have a sunburn, you're like, there, there's no way to, like, relieve that. Uh, it's not even like, it's like somewhere between itching and pain. It's that really weird thing where you just, you just can't get comfortable. Uh, so I've been doing that pretty much all day today. That's been uh, very fun. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so we, as far as the future of the show goes, I uh, covered it a little bit uh, in that last episode, but uh, just to kind of touch base on that again, um, we will be kind of switching uh, the format of the show, or I guess I, I will be, to uh, more of an interview-based, um, you know, format with uh, guests and, and all that stuff, um, bringing people on that... Uh, that I think are really cool to talk to and, and people that I'd love to hear from and, and just kind of getting the stories of, uh, of different people. I think that's sort of the focus with, uh, with the interviews that uh, I'll be doing in the foreseeable future is just kind of getting to know, uh, getting to know some really cool people. Uh, for instance, one of the, the focuses, um, that I'd like to have is, uh, comic book creators. Um, and so I've kind of got a, a wish list together and, and a few people that I've been, uh, talking to about coming on and and hopefully we can get uh some of them on pretty soon but uh in addition to comic book creators also just uh geeks in general you know people whose names you may not have heard of people whose names you may have heard of uh you know people who create content people who don't create content um you know i'm, I'm excited for uh 
for a lot of these different guests. Uh, probably next week we'll be having um, uh, a guy that uh, I met recently that's uh, pretty awesome. He uh, owns a comic book store here in uh, California in the San Fernando Valley. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to talk to him on the show. Just, you know, there, there's a lot of people who, you know, obviously you would not really ever hear from because they're not uh, creating, you know, content or putting out a, a comic book or TV show or, or YouTube videos, whatever have you. Um, but they have really interesting stories. And, uh, and so I kind of, in the future, want to get the stories of people who, you know, uh, who are known and who aren't known uh, in that sort of realm of, you know, content creators, um, you know, just kind of uh, gather and assemble really just sort of the the paths and stories of uh, different people who do different things, uh, whether it be, you know, like Warren owning a comic book store or uh, cosplayers or, you know, writers, artists, you know, people who do YouTube, other podcasts, whatever, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, they all have very unique paths uh, that brought them to that place. And uh, especially in today's day and age, uh, you know, obviously with the advent of the internet, it's created many, many different avenues for people to not only be discovered, but also to uh, forge their own path in whichever uh, profession or trade they, they choose to, to pursue. Um, and it's definitely enabled a lot more... Uh, ability to pursue dreams um and that's kind of that's kind of the the big focus i guess is really just uh finding you know what those things are that people uh like to pursue and and how they got there and what what drove them there and and what sort of those those key moments were that uh you know those turning points that put them on the path that uh they ended up on um so i don't know i'm i'm really excited um there's a lot of people that i have uh confirmed uh to come on the show in the near future there's a lot of people who i've talked to about getting on the show and then there's those people who are just sort of uh for right now on a wish list um that i uh that i hope to be able to to talk to at some point in the future um but if there's anybody that comes to mind uh for you let me know uh tweet at that might be cool um i'm gonna be hopefully uh doing a lot more with uh, that twitter account uh I I am a pretty big stranger to Twitter. I've used it before in the past, but I've never been an active user on Twitter, and so I'm going to try and revise my approach uh, approach there. Obviously, it's a, a great tool that people can use, and it'll probably be uh, the means by which uh, I'm able to get a lot of the, the guests that we're going to have on in the future. So uh, if there's any sort of wish list... Uh, people that uh that you'd like me to talk to and and you know find out their stories uh tweet uh tweet it that might be cool and and i'll see what i can do um that's really all the uh you know the the base covering uh that i'll be doing today but uh, i figured i'd talk about a few other things while i was at it um with this uh with this move going on lately i've definitely been been really busy but what's uh what's been nice about it is uh, I have had the downtime I've had, I've, I've kind of been able to, uh, do a lot of reading and, and watching different shows and, and a ton of writing and drawing as well, which has been, uh, really nice. Um, I've been working on a, a comic book that I'm hoping to get published in the next year or so. And, 
I got I got like almost all the way. It's a it's a five part story, and I got pretty much uh, four parts of that completely plotted out by the time that I realized uh, that you know that's only the the writing is only half of the the story, and that uh, I needed to figure out what I was going to do with the art. Um, and so I started drawing again, and something that I hadn't uh, really done regularly in in years. So I started drawing again and trying to change up my style uh, to sort of fit the mood and aesthetic that uh, that I have in mind for this book. And so that's been like the process that's uh, taken up most of the time um, that I've devoted to to making this story is just like trying to get my art to a place where I feel confident uh, putting it on a page and publishing it. Um, that being said, though, like if any of our listeners are artists and have any interest in uh, in doing art for a comic book, please let me know because uh, although I'm trying my hardest to get my art to, to the point that um, I'd be confident putting it on page, I would gladly accept uh, any other artist uh, and especially talented artists because I I have so much less talent than like anybody I see on on DeviantArt or Tumblr or any of those other places that uh, you know artists choose to to post their stuff. Um, and so, if, if any of our listeners are uh, artistically inclined, please uh, let me know. You can tweet me at that might be cool or uh, send an email to Jason at that might be cool dot com. Uh, and let's talk about it. I can't really offer uh, any payment up front for that, obviously, but. Uh, with it being self-published, um, it would be definitely the, the type of thing where, uh, we'd be able to split whatever sales profits, uh, would come of that. So, you know, all you artists out there, uh, hit me up if, uh, if any of you are artists. Um, but, uh, anyway, back to, back to the topic at hand. Um, I've been reading every single book that's been coming out in, uh, in DC Rebirth. Uh, we're now, let's see, about a month and a half into uh, DC Rebirth. And the content is still really consistently good. Um, some of my some of my favorite uh, series that have come so far, and they've only released a few of the lines. There's still many books to come, like uh, uh, Teen Titans, uh, Nightwing, uh, Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, uh, a whole host of other books that... Uh, still have yet to to come out um but of the books that have come out uh there's been some really really strong consistent heavy hitting uh for instance uh superman by uh patrick or uh, patrick gleason and um peter tomasi uh that book is is probably the best superman book that's been written in years and and I mean, in recent years, we've had some great works from uh, people like Jeff Johns, Mac La- Max Landis, uh, Grant Morrison, and, and some other writers. Uh, but the Superman book that's going on right now, uh, it's only two issues in. Well, I guess three issues in because they kind of had the, the introduction uh, sort of zero issue. Um, but it's really good. It's focusing on uh, Clark, his wife Lois, and uh, his son Jonathan. Um, and just kind of dealing with, uh, the fact that Clark and Lois, uh, in this story, they are from a different earth. Uh, they're from an earth where Lois and Clark did get married and, and, um, they, in this big event, basically, you don't really need to know too much of the backstory other than they 
got sucked up into some cosmic event uh, that happened, the story called Convergence, um, and now they are on this Earth sort of living and hiding as uh, Clark and Lois, I think White was the name that they were going by, the sort of alias, living off in the middle of nowhere uh, as there's, you know, the Superman that was already on this Earth, a, a younger Clark Kent, uh, already existed and was doing his whole, uh, you know, angsty Superman thing. Um, but he actually died, which, uh, caused, uh, old, you know, super dad Clark, uh, to basically decide to, to, instead of, uh, continuing to live in hiding, he would, uh, put on the, the tights and the cape and, and go back into action and sort of fill the gap, uh, that was left, you know, the, the, s-shield shaped gap that uh that the previous superman left and so he's been supermanning around and uh you know trying to get to the bottom of a few things he spent a a bit of time uh trying to see if he could revive the old superman uh he spent some time doing a few other things uh meanwhile his son jonathan who is probably my favorite new character ever uh if in this continuity we're not going to be able to to get a uh, Connor Kent Superboy, um, who was, if, if you don't know the story of Connor Kent, he was in uh, the TV show Young Justice. He was also in a, a really great Teen Titans run by Jeff Johns uh, from the early 2000s that actually got me into comic books. Um, but if that Superboy does not exist in this continuity, then uh, Jonathan Kent, uh, Clark's son, is a, a welcome replacement. He's a, like, eight-year-old kid... Uh, who is, you know, half Kryptonian, half human, the son of Lois and Clark. And uh, he's just really, really fun. And the way that uh, Patrick Gleason draws him, he's just freaking adorable. Um, and he's been kind of discovering some of his powers. And uh, and he accidentally, well, there was, there was kind of a sad moment where he accidentally uh, burned his pet cat alive, unfortunately, uh, because his heat vision just kind of came on unexpectedly. Um, and he's, he's kind of, they're trying to figure out what exactly are the, the ranges of his powers, uh, being that he's half human. Uh, so in the last issue, he fell out of a tree and got a concussion. Meanwhile, he's also got super strength and heat vision and he can fly and all this stuff. And, uh, it's really fun exploring that and, and exploring Superman being a dad, which is surprisingly something that we haven't really gotten much of before. Um, you know, in, in 80, about 80 years of Superman stories, we still haven't really seen this side of him where he's married and has a kid. And so it's a really just, uh, I guess, unique and interesting look at Superman, but it also kind of feels right. You know, Superman has always sort of felt like, uh, like he was a dad in a certain way. Maybe it's just cause he's the big blue boy scout with a, a strong moral compass. Um, but he is kind of assuming that role, which is great. Uh, but anyway, that's the that's the new uh, DC Superman comic. If uh, you have any remote interest in Superman at all, I definitely recommend reading it. Um, probably the best book in the new uh, in the new DC line. Um, the other one is is the new Batman title by writer Tom King, who I absolutely cannot praise enough. Um, he's uh, just an just a fantastic writer. Uh, Tom, after spending time, uh, as an active CIA operative, um, in the Middle East, 
uh, decided to to become a writer after his time was done there, and uh, so he wrote a, he wrote a novel, um, and uh, after publishing that novel, uh, decided to to uh, make the jump into comics and started writing uh, a few different stories. Um, he wrote uh, and is continuing to write a story called Sheriff of Babylon, uh, which is basically, uh, I guess, the the closest story um, to his experiences in uh, in the Middle East working for the CIA. It's a very very grounded, down to earth story about uh, about being that type of operative in the in the middle of that type of uh, war zone. Uh, which is really awesome, but he's also, uh, he wrote Grayson, which is the story of uh, Dick Grayson after being assumed dead, uh, goes undercover um, as essentially uh, a James Bond-type character. Really awesome there. He co-wrote that with Tim Seeley, um, and he's also now writing a uh, run on Vision, which is the first uh, uh, ongoing series that Vision has had in in quite a while, uh, at least like three or four years. Um, and it's like this, uh, Ray Bradbury, uh, sort of, I don't know, just really, really unique, twisted, uh, awesome science fiction take on the vision. Um, which is another one I can't, uh, can't recommend enough. And then, uh, wrote Omega Men for DC Comics. Um, another just, just absolutely fantastic. He's been hitting home runs with everything he's written. And unsurprisingly, uh, being that he's taken over the, uh, well, the the premiere book at DC Comics, which is Batman, um, and the first two issues has is, is definitely been uh, very strong. Um, still a lot more questions than answered, but that's to be expected when you're only two issues deep in a story. Uh, but uh, basically the premise of the story right now is that uh, there are two characters who have shown up in Gotham City um, named... <laughs> which is funny, uh, named Gotham and Gotham Girl. Very generic names, and they are basically uh, analogs for Superman and Supergirl. Uh, but it's kind of taken the, uh, you know, or, or sort of posing the question, what would happen if Superman just decided to move to Gotham? Uh, and how would Batman deal with that? And, and what would that mean for the city? What would that, what effect would that have? Um, on Gotham City as a whole if somebody like Superman, the Man of Tomorrow, the Man of Steel, were to come to that city and, and start solving all of the problems and crimes there, would it become sort of a utopia-like metropolis? Or or is Gotham City a place where only Batman can do that job? Um, and it's very interesting because uh, these two heroes are very young uh, and inexperienced, and so Batman is kind of taking a somewhat mentoring role to them although he's not being hands-on and and obviously they do not know his secret identity and he's not inviting him back to the cave or anything like that but he is uh sort of watching from a distance um in the most recent issue solomon grundy was out and on a tear and uh gotham and gotham girl were trying to contain him and stop him um and at a certain point batman intervenes uh and basically says as he intervenes and takes down solomon grundy he says um, you know, you were, you were 1.7 seconds away from stopping him. And in 1.3 seconds, he would have trampled over this homeless man and killed him or something like that. Uh, and then just ends it with saying, you're good, be better. Uh, and then, you know, taking off into the night to, to go and brood some more. Um, but it's a, it's a really fun story. And I, it definitely has a big promise of 
intriguing questions to be posed and answered. Uh, and it's also leading into a crossover that they're going to have in the Batman books um, called, I think it's Rise of the Monster Men or something like that. Um, which, you know, seems very exciting. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm really interested to, to read this book because it is another type of story that really hasn't uh, shown up before, you know, in having Batman encounter a Superman figure um, but not in a way that is uh, adversarial or, you know, confrontational over a certain thing. It's more of Batman dealing with that type of figure coming into his home turf and trying to essentially do his job for him. Um, and thus far, not in a nefarious way, um, but, uh, you know, more dealing with Batman wondering if uh, if he is going to still be the hero that his city needs uh when these types of heroes exist um so anyway those those are definitely my top two favorite books in uh in the new dc line uh we have action and detective comics uh which are you know the original superman and batman stories returning to their uh original numbering um and so now action comics or both both of them are in the you know 900s action comics is like on 960 something and detective comics is on like 930 something um, Detective Comics is basically dealing with Batman, uh, assembling the sort of Bat family and, uh, forming a, a kind of crime fighting task force, making it more organized and somewhat like the X-Men. And so we have, uh, Batwoman sort of taking charge and taking the leadership role over this team, uh, you know, kind of, uh, hand in hand with Batman. Um, she's definitely more hands-on. Then we have uh, Tim Drake, Red Robin, um, who is sort of the, uh, you know, the the middle ground between all the rookies and the experienced veterans or whatever. Uh, and then in uh, in the sort of ground troops, we have uh, Clayface, oddly enough, um, being just absolutely adorable and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, the same, like if you if you watched Big Hero Six, uh, the Disney animated movie, the types of feelings that you had about uh, Baymax in that movie are pretty similar to the types of feelings you're going to have about Clayface in this story. Um, very tragic hero and just somebody who, uh, is the victim of circumstance and, uh, it's just kind of like longing to, to be accepted and, and to be the person that he used to be. Um, and then we have, uh, Stephanie Brown, um, who is still fairly new in this, uh, in this new DC universe that was started in the new 52. um, but was an established character in the older uh, DC continuity. But uh, her and Tim Drake are dating. Uh, she is um, a hero known as Spoiler, uh, a very self-aware, uh, fun character who uh, really enjoys, you know, basically figuring out uh, the plans of various criminals and villains and, uh, you know, no surprise, spoiling them. Uh, but basically she, you know, her, her big thing has been that she will do all sorts of hacking and digging and, and whatnot to expose plans and, uh, and bring them crashing down before they ever happen. Um, and then, uh, there are some of the side characters like, uh, Cassandra Kane, who, uh, goes by the title orphan, um, in the old continuity, she was the second Batgirl. Um, and then, uh, Bluebird, uh, Harper Rowe shows up every once in a while. Um, and, uh, really it's just, uh, kind of an X-Men style story where, uh, all these people are getting whipped into shape and, uh, you know, up to the level of managing the crime in Gotham because it is, 
such a constantly uh constantly devious city where uh things are always going awry um and then in action comics uh it is a very very confusing uh story that i hope starts uh paying off really soon because thus far it's definitely asked a lot more questions uh than it's answered um it's uh written by uh the person who shaped most of the death of superman story and also most superman stories in the uh in the 90s um and i am absolutely just blanking on his name right now uh, um dan jurgens is uh is the writer uh with art by patrick uh, zercher um and the story is basically that uh, Lex Luthor has put on a super suit and told Metropolis that he is the new Superman. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Super Dad has come in and, and reclaimed the title of Superman. So they're like, you know, I'm Superman. No, I'm Superman. Let's punch each other. Uh, and then uh, and then Doomsday shows up out of nowhere and they're like, oh, well, I guess we're going to fight Doomsday. Uh, and then Clark kent walks onto the scene while they're fighting doomsday and you kind of scratch your head and you go well young angsty superman is dead and uh super dad is also clark kent but super dad is right there fighting doomsday with lex luther so who the hell is this clark kent he looks and talks and and functions just like clark kent would as a reporter for the daily planet but uh where did he come from and who is he so that's basically uh the story so far and uh and it's it's real damn confusing but uh hopefully it pays off soon um and then we have the story titans not to be confused with the teen titans this is uh dick grayson the first robin who is now nightwing uh roy harper who was speedy and is now arsenal um diana troy uh who in the previous continuity was um wonder girl but is now just diana troy or not diana troy donna troy uh she's just an amazonian with no alter ego i guess uh and then uh aqualad um or probably i think he probably goes by tempest again um not the one from young justice uh, well not the main one from young justice it's not calderon but it's um what's his name garth um and then uh one other woman who i can't for the life of me remember um and it's it's fun basically just playing the nostalgia thing like wally west is back and the titans are back and they're all friends and uh well we'll see what happens um and that's really all i can say about that book it's got art by brett booth who is a uh, very very 90s i mean he kind of got his start in the 90s and uh never really seemed to pull out of it um i'm not the biggest fan of his artwork uh but it does the job um just a few too many you know shiny chrome things and and unnecessary muscles and unnecessary pouches for my taste um but you know that's okay and there's there's a market for any type of art um but uh you know it's it's somewhat decent and then we have kind of some of the the lower hitting titles in my opinion everyone everyone has their own opinion obviously um aquaman i haven't really liked thus far by uh dan abnett um i don't know for me it's just been very uh i don't know kind of boring um but I'm sure a lot of people are really liking it. And I like Aquaman as a character. It's nothing against the character. It's just this current story uh, hasn't really interested me much. Um, but uh, that's, I think that's uh, all the DC Rebirth stuff. Overall, I'm 
really, really enjoying it. Um, I think everybody uh, remotely interested in comics or even comic book characters uh, should check it out just because it is a very uh it's a very refreshing um universe i mean they're they're really taking a lot of these characters uh in new directions and i don't know it's 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 been really enjoyable so far um oh wow i uh, i did forget a couple um green arrow uh by ben percy and otto schmidt otto schmidt's a brand new artist in the world of comic books um but he's been kind of doing some deviant art stuff uh for a while and um did a couple of books uh like just a few issues for um Marvel uh last year um just like some fill in stuff and i think some covers um but man is is his art just really impressive um and uh and the story is great i mean with with Oliver Queen or Green Arrow um he in certain lights can be very uninteresting but the most interesting that he is is when he's kind of stripped down to his bare minimum so this storyline starts with oliver being super rich his company is super successful he's got his uh newly reacquainted sister half sister emiko um and he and black canary are kind of hooking up and and doing that whole thing so everything's going great for good old oliver queen um and then it just kind of gets uh screwed up when uh when Emiko decides that she's uh, she's going to stab him um, and leaves him for dead. Uh, and he returns back home to see that uh, his apartment building is being um, destroyed, uh, which was signed off uh, by the people at his own company, which he now no longer runs. Uh, he's believed to be a criminal and uh, he doesn't have anything anymore. So uh, his home is gone. Uh, he resorts to a bunker that he built for himself a long time ago. Uh, his half-sister apparently tried to kill him. And uh, yeah, he pretty much has no allies left. So it's a great starting point for a Green Arrow story because he's better on his own, I think. Uh, and I think that's something that we've learned in the show Arrow as well, is that the more supporting cast and teammates and and people like that that he amasses the less interesting he kind of becomes um and so just with the art being absolutely stunning uh with with black canary and with green arrow both um just working the best they can possibly work as characters um it's it's a really fun book and it's a it's a quick read it's not overly dialogue heavy um and it's it's pretty damn accessible uh for new readers uh and then for green lanterns we have two brand new green lanterns uh well simon bass has been around for a while for us but he kind of got stuck in this time stream thing so essentially he's only been a green lantern for a couple of weeks and then uh the very brand new green lantern jessica cruz they're doing the whole buddy cop thing except uh they're both rookies it's not like most buddy cop things where one person's super experienced and the other one's kind of the new young gun um neither of them know what they're doing at all and they don't work together very well because uh jessica is uh very reserved and introverted and nervous and uh simon baz is uh a bit of a hothead and he's got a giant chip on his shoulder because uh he's uh he's middle eastern um and 
growing up uh, as a Middle Eastern in America, he dealt with a lot of persecution. Um, and so he kind of has a chip on his shoulder and he, he tends to be a bit aggressive and doesn't quite trust his ring very much. So he still carries a pistol with him uh, just in case. Um, and so he and Jessica are on very uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. And, uh, and so they didn't really get along uh, very well and didn't want to work with each other at all until Hal Jordan, the, uh, you know, the first earthbound Green Lantern shows up and merges their power batteries together, uh, into one so that basically they need each other to be able to use their rings and they're forced to work together. Um, and, uh, they don't get, you know, an hour into working together when all of a sudden tons of people on earth start getting infected with this, uh, rage and bloodlust to just start killing people and ripping them limb from limb. And we find out that's because the red lanterns, the, the color that's powered by rage, uh, have been just sending out tons and tons of red lantern rings into the universe, uh, and finding people uh, who are feeling great rage and enhancing that and imbuing them with tons of power to just go on giant rage fests. So now, with Hal Jordan out in space somewhere, uh, Simon and Jessica have to deal with this giant rage attack and tons of people. It's kind of like that scene in Kingsman, uh, right at the climax of Kingsman, when everybody on Earth is just tearing each other apart. It's basically like that, and the two people tasked with... uh, taking care of that have absolutely no idea what they're doing so it's very fun uh you know it's a typical buddy cop thing except it's uh cosmic and spacey and 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 you know all that fun stuff um and then the the zero issue for justice league came out recently and it's uh it's very interesting uh super dad has kind of joined all these heroes that have been around for a while uh and they dealt with a uh, an alien infestation type thing and uh you know that's about it and then um other than that, the last book to talk about is Wonder Woman, uh, another book that's posed tons of questions, still has yet to answer any, um, but it is in the capable hands of uh, Greg Rucka, who's a fantastic writer, um, so I'll, uh, I'll await whatever is coming there. And that's been, uh, that's been the DC Rebirth ramblings, because uh, if you're a listener of the Savage Line, you know that they kind of hate it when I go on my DC rants, and I'm sure you hate it too, and everybody hates it, but uh, oh well. Um, <laughs> uh, to get into some other things, um, I was watching Batman Forever and Batman Returns today. I don't know why I watched both of those, but uh, I did. And man, those those movies do and don't hold up in the weirdest ways they are definitely more like in the case of in the case of batman returns that movie is so overtly sexual in so many different areas um that it's kind of bizarre to believe that uh you know that 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 was a big superhero movie because you know when we look at you know even like the iron man movies uh but also the modern batman or superman or whatever movies you know they'll they'll make a couple of sexual wisecracks you know there's obviously some scenes with uh um with tony stark having sex or whatever um but i don't think the word pussy has been thrown around in a uh in a comic book movie in quite a few years um and they use that pretty heavy-handedly in batman returns um and and you know it's like in one of those situations where it's a 
somewhat metaphor for like it's 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 sort of referring to cats but not at all i mean it's it's very very uh loose room for for interpretation um but i don't know it's like the whole movie from a certain lens is just penguin trying to get laid uh in like the grossest ways possible and like being really just like i don't know misogynistic um but uh michelle pfeiffer's catwoman is uh is fascinating to watch in in quite a few ways um and when i watched it the more i realized that uh the gotham show is very very uh i guess based in tim burton's um sort of batman world or at least inspired by you know there are obviously changes that it wouldn't be it wouldn't make sense as a sort of prequel to the tim burton batman movies um but it's definitely following that aesthetic very closely and if you look at the uh selena kyle in the in batman returns and then compare her to the selena kyle in um gotham they actually kind of look like the younger and older versions of each other um and the same sort of goes for penguin i mean you could picture penguin from gotham gaining tons of weight and uh, getting a little bit shorter and and going bald and growing out some hair and just becoming grotesque um and then just for the the look of the city itself it does definitely have that uh that burton-esque vibe um although obviously the commissioner gordon in the burton movies versus the commissioner gordon in uh, the modern interpretation very much different in uh, the burton movies he's pretty useless and hardly ever shows up uh whereas now gordon is kind of the uh the sort of you know main supporting character in the batman universe you've got alfred you've got gordon and you've got robin um and so it's it's kind of interesting to see how that shifted and i think the animated series was uh more responsible for that than uh than anything else um but yeah it's 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 really interesting just seeing you know you've got the original tim burton batman movie which was a little ridiculous um but in a in a slightly more grounded way you know i mean it was it was bizarre but not extremely so um but then you go into batman returns and he just amped it up to 11 and uh you have the weird selena kyle dying and then getting licked by cats and brought back to life that way you've got the uh the whole weird grotesque penguin thing and like i don't know the 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 thing that struck me as the most odd during the whole opening sequence on batman returns was the the thing with penguin's parents with the cobblepots uh peewee herman is playing penguin's dad they have this all like very odd like student film looking scene where like they're reacting to to penguin's birth or whatever and like i don't know the shots they just like everything about it felt so odd and like amateurish and like like the cuts were just a little weird the lighting was a little weird the acting was very stiff and then Pee Wee herman is like pretty young at the time but they've got him in like this horrible fake mustache with like not with like a non-functioning monocle or it might been might have been glasses but they didn't even look real at all and like a bad wig but then they didn't do any sort of like wrinkle work on him and so he just has this gray hair and gray mustache with the skin of a you know 30 year old um and i don't know their reactions just like didn't 
fit at all and it was like super stiff and just like just odd to watch in a movie made by a professional director like tim burton um and so that was a little just jarring but uh but the world itself you know christopher walken as max shrek um and i don't know just everything about it was just so rough um but but in kind of a cool way i mean it's it's a movie that you can watch and appreciate the very very bizarre um world that they've created uh you know and it's it's obviously the last time that michael kane uh, or michael kane <laughs> michael keaton uh wore the batman costume um and he was definitely uh playing up the brooding at a certain point there's and this is one thing i love about the the michael keaton batman is that there is a certain point in this movie where he's literally just sitting in the house all alone all the lights off brooding and gazing out the window essentially just like spending his time waiting for the bat signal to light up and that's just like that's such a I don't know. It's a funny thing because you'd never read that in a comic book. You'd never have Batman just sitting there alone in the dark, looking out a window, waiting for the bat signal, or at least not in a modern comic book. I'm sure it was uh, alive and well in the days of, uh, of Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Um, but now there's sort of this expectation of, uh, of kind of conceivability. Um, we want to, in reading our comic books, rather than having Bruce Wayne sitting alone staring out a window and and essentially like not existing when he's not being Batman you know we want him to be at some sort of gala or you know seducing some reporter or working a case as Bruce Wayne or falling asleep in a boardroom or whatever you know in in the Christopher Nolan movies Bruce Wayne is always actively doing something um and you know at the very least you know, and, and oftentimes in the comic books, what we have is that scene sort of substituted for Bruce Wayne as Batman out in Gotham City, just kind of looking for some crime. Um, and that was something that was uh, used in the animated series a lot as well. Um, but in this, like, I just, I like imagining the Michael Keaton Batman and what his daily life must be like, because there's never really much Bruce Waning with uh, with Michael Keaton. There's a bit at the beginning of the batman um the first tim burton movie but past that he never really like does the wayne enterprises thing you know he's got some of the vicky vale things and he's got you know some uh like a couple of scenes where he's trying to get with uh selena kyle um but as far as like managing his company you never really see it and uh and so i like just imagining like the existence of of michael keaton's bruce wayne just sitting in that armchair staring out the window all day until finally the bat signal lights up and he has a life again um and so i don't know it was really weird and like there is one scene where he just all of a sudden happens to be walking down the street and see selena kyle and you just kind of go what the hell was bruce wayne doing like right before that moment right before we cut into him running into selena kyle what was he doing was like Bruce Wayne doesn't just go around and just walk the streets of Gotham in a trench coat just randomly. Like he's, he's got, he's got a life. He's got a multi-million or billion dollar company, you know, and he's filthy rich and he's got Bentleys and, and crazy cars as we end up seeing in uh, Batman forever. He's got tons of crazy cars. Why is he just walking on the street? You know? And so then it's basically, 
Either A, he's just freaking weird, or B, he's still freaking weird, but he sort of staged that so that he could run into Selena Kyle and be like, hey, you want to come over to my place? And then, you know, and then after that, they have like that weird almost sex scene where she gets really scared because he almost finds her like death scars. Um, (laughs) But I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think that's the best part about Michael Keaton's Batman is that he is just weird. He's just a really weird guy who doesn't function at all as a regular human being which i guess is sort of an essential element to batman but like he barely even puts on a front of being sane like he's somewhat obviously crazy um which is funny and then uh and then in batman forever um we get val kilmer who in my opinion is a bit underrated as batman i mean obviously he you know he got a bit bloated um in the later years and uh and didn't really do much after that movie other than like kiss kiss bang bang which is fantastic um but uh but i really think he's underrated as batman i mean sure he's scrawny but uh but so was michael keaton um but he he does pull off a pretty good bruce wayne and uh and i do think that the riddler origin although i don't really love jim carrey's riddler I think the Riddler origin in Batman Forever is a really good way to do a villain origin because basically he's, you know, he's, he's kind of a mad scientist at, at Wayne Enterprises and he wants to, you know, he wants more funding for this uh, crazy, you know, mind reading uh, experiment project thing that he's doing and uh, essentially gets, you know, he gets rejected by Bruce Wayne which kind of which sets him at odds with Bruce, you know that sort of brings Bruce um, into uh, his enmity or whatever is that how you say that word? I don't know. Um, but then it's you know later on in the film after he's kind of um, allied himself with Two Face uh, to try and basically get back at Bruce Wayne. Um, he you know has a confrontation that brings him uh, at odds with Batman, and so he already has a grudge with Bruce Wayne but then on a totally different level ends up uh ends up against Batman ends up fighting with Batman and I, th- I think that's a really great origin because you know in in sort of the same way that uh Mr. Freeze does you know you have you have a villain who is going after Bruce Wayne primarily and Batman is just getting in the way of that um I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting thing where Batman is just the speed bump to get to Bruce Wayne from the villain's eyes. And then Bruce Wayne has to deal with this whole struggle of like trying to obviously keep his identity remaining secret. Meanwhile, they're hunting him down, but him is not Batman. And so he has to worry a little bit more about managing that. Um, I don't know. I, I think that movie's underrated. Obviously there are a lot of, uh, absurd things there. I, absolutely do not like that two-face um it just it doesn't you know it doesn't feel like uh the way two-face is normally represented you know he's got the really ludicrous hideout and he's got the two women that are you know the i don't know just the really weird kind of objectifying odd assistants um you know and and i thought that the the um aaron eckhart two-face in the dark knight was a lot closer to uh 
to the typical portrayal of him that we saw in the animated series uh, that we've seen in the comic books and, and other things like that. This Two-Face was just a little bit too um, unbelievable, which I know saying that about a character like Two-Face is, you know, sort of a a fallacy almost. But just, I mean, I don't know, just just that sort of grandiosity and strangeness that Tommy Lee Jones's Two-Face had was a little much for me. And so I, you know, I prefer Two-Face to be just kind of a, a duplicitous kind of crazy person, but somebody who still genuinely believes in serving justice, um, you know, in his weird, sick, twisted way, um, and still believes in himself and isn't just, uh, I don't know, really just a one dimensional person who keeps having to flip a coin. Um, and then we, the, the best and worst part of this movie was, uh, Chris O'Donnell as Dick Grayson, AKA Robin. He was like, he's referred to by everybody else in the movie. He's referred to as if he were like 12 years old, but at the time, I mean, he had to have been like at least 20, but like probably like 25. He's, he's a full adult. But everybody keeps referring to him as if he's a child. And that was just like, just, just odd. Because they're like talking about how, you know, like his biggest desire is just to get laid. And, uh, I don't know, like, there were a few other things, like something, oh, like, they refer to him as Bat Boy. And he even suggests Bat Boy as his name when he's trying to convince Bruce to let him be a sidekick. And like, why, why would this mid-20s dude call himself a boy? Like, you know, I mean, I, I'm 23 and I, I don't, I could never picture myself like a, in coming up with some sort of alter ego. I would never refer to myself as a boy. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it just like something about that was just really odd. Um, but he did have the look and he, and he was, you know, I mean, he did play it pretty fun. Um, costume was ridiculous. The, the bat nipples were, uh, were alive and strong. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Just bizarre. Uh, and then I, I've really been doing a lot of Batman lately. Um, I finished Scott Snyder's, uh, run on Batman, which, uh, the last year of it was with Jim Gordon, uh, acting as Batman because, uh, the Joker basically wiped Bat or Bruce's entire uh, memory of being Batman. Um, and man, Scott Snyder, just, uh, just a, an incredible writer. Um, you know, I mean, this was, just about five years now, uh, that he, uh, that he's been writing Batman, um, 52 issues of Batman stories, or I guess he wrote 51 and then James Tynan, uh, who's writing detective comics now and, and was actually a student of Scott Snyder's, uh, back in the day, um, wrote, uh, wrote the 52nd issue, but, uh, just a, a masterful epic, you know, we, we start out Scott Snyder's run with the Court of Owls storyline, which is basically Batman and Bruce learning that there are secrets in Gotham City that even he, the greatest detective in the world, the person who was, you know, grown and raised in Gotham, does not know about or at least uh, doesn't believe are real. And we have this mythological Illuminati of the Court of Owls coming to bear and, and, and really taking Bruce by surprise, which is something that's never happened to him before. And then after that story, uh, we go into death of the family, which is Joker basically 
telling Batman that all of these allies, all these sidekicks, all this, this Bat family that he's amassed has made him weak and has made him lazy and complacent because they've, they've, you know, covered him so much and he hasn't had to be, uh, that end all be all like he was before he had so much, um, support around him, I guess. And it's the Joker systematically tearing apart the Bat family and, and, you know, in a way, just making them all completely distrust each other. And, and after Death of the Family, the Bat family did split up. Nightwing went on his own. Uh, Red Robin went to be with the Teen Titans. Uh, Damian Wayne even went on his own, um, or at least tried to for a time, and actually died uh, shortly after. Um, you know, Batgirl, everybody, like Batgirl moved everybody just kind of left after death of the family because Joker did tear them apart and played on all their insecurities and exposed things that had really been there. And so you have Batman first getting taken advantage of and, and sort of betrayed by his own city. And then you have all of his loved ones and family essentially ripped away from him. Um, and then during the year after death of the family, um, that year is kind of allowed to happen where Batman is essentially on his own. Um, Meanwhile, the main Batman story that Scott Snyder is writing takes a trip back to the past in a story called Zero Year. That's where we spend this entire year um, exploring basically Batman's first year on the job um, and him taking down a uh, a gang and, and, and essentially the origin of the Joker in this story. It's not 100% definitive that, you know, oh, this is the origin, uh, but it is heavily hinted at... Um, with uh, they they include the whole Red Hood gang um, and Batman basically coming back to Gotham and trying to you know do the thing Batman does, which is you know rid it of crime and and make Gotham a better place for people to live. And after he takes down the Red Hood gang, then uh, the Riddler comes into prominence, and it was something that was teased all throughout the first part of the story with the Red Hood gang. Um, but then Riddler sends Gotham into uh, into the real thing that they call. Um, the zero year that the people of Gotham refer to as the zero year, which is he wipes out all technology in Gotham um, and poses, basically poses a question and is challenging Gotham to raise itself up and, and Batman as well, Gotham and Batman to raise themselves up to his level of intellect, to make themselves smarter, make themselves better, make themselves earn the life that, uh, that they've, that they've so long had and taken for granted um and so they go into basically like six or seven months of uh of just you know stone age basically they have all these buildings and all this technology that they just can't use um and i don't remember that storyline too well it was honestly probably the weakest part of scott snyder's run it was really good but it dragged on a bit and so there are definitely parts that were uh that have kind of vanished from my memory uh, but then we go from there and we go back into the current day. It's a year after the Joker has torn apart the Bat family in a story called Endgame. Um, and this story kicks off with Batman having to take on the Justice League. He's in his you know building or whatever and Superman comes and attacks him and starts trying to kill him. Um, and after Superman comes, the rest of the Justice League, all of them are coming and trying to kill him and they're laughing hysterically. Um, and Batman basically through all this comes to the realization that the Joker's back. It's been a year since, uh, since the death of the family and Joker was assumed dead. 
Um, and so Batman is terrified that the Joker is back. Not only that, but that he's been able to take control of the most powerful human beings on the planet. Um, and, uh, you know, and he eventually gets the Justice League out of it and, 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 you know, manages not to kill them. Um, and then Joker leads him on this whole sort of crazy mad thing, um, involving all sorts of characters that become important in the Batman universe, like Duke Thomas, uh, who is now sort of Batman's new, uh, sidekick, um, as well as Harper Rowe, uh, AKA Bluebird. Um, and, uh, and the culmination of it is Joker winning and losing at the same time. Um, Joker dies. And, and this is the thing is that Joker in, in death of the family, Joker was basically trying to prove to Batman that he was the one who made Batman stronger, that he loved Batman, that, that all of his allies and sidekicks were, there to make him weak, but Joker was there to make him strong. And that if he really wanted to be the, the bat God, the bat King, uh, that he would abandon those people and, and devote himself to the Joker because the Joker was the only one keeping him, keeping him on his toes, keeping him active and keeping him up to that standard of, of heroism. Um, and so in Endgame, when he comes back, he comes back with a vengeance because Batman is, essentially betrayed him by trying to choose the bat family over the joker um and in this twisted way in joker's head that's that's sort of a betrayal of of the relationship that they've had um and so he comes back trying to not just tear apart the bat family you know he's he's taken away the people from bruce but he comes back legitimately for the first time wanting to kill batman um and in the end he he kind of gets his wish he takes everything to do with batman out of bruce wayne's head bruce wayne no longer remembers that he was ever batman um doesn't remember anything to do with that part of his life and he doesn't even remember how his parents died and he's he's told quite a bit about all that from alfred but he doesn't feel those same feelings anymore he doesn't feel that need for vengeance he doesn't feel that drive to save the city and so essentially Joker did kill Batman. He died doing it, but he killed Batman, which really means that he had the last laugh, especially because now everybody in the Bat family knows that Bruce Wayne was Batman and has to see him living his life as has Bruce Wayne, not remembering any of them at all and not remembering their their adventures their you know his leadership uh their mentorship and and the the things that he did you know specifically for um the three robins or i guess four robins even uh for for dick jason tim and uh and damien and even barbara um that he was kind of a mentor to them and, and sort of a father figure to them at times um and taught them so much and was such a big part of their lives and now just doesn't recall them even you know doesn't remember those things and uh you know and it's it's kind of heartbreaking in that way um and so now that batman's gone this is where we go into the last part of uh of scott snyder's big batman epic which uh was called super heavy um and this is where jim gordon essentially there's a, there's a program uh put in place by the gotham city police department uh that basically uh the goal is to replace Batman because now that he's gone, um, they're afraid. Ooh, sorry. Um, they're afraid that, uh, 
that Gotham City can't can't go on and can't survive without a Batman. Um, and so there's a, a program put in place to basically devote tons of money to developing an armory uh, to sustain a Batman. And uh, Jim Gordon is asked to be that Batman. So he's got a huge giant robot bunny suit um, along with uh, his own Batman tights and uh, a whole support crew along with a mobile bat cave in the form of a blimp which is just just awesome um you know i mean it's like i don't know blimps in my opinion there should never be a gotham city that doesn't have blimps uh they're in the burton movies they're all over the place in the animated series if you play the arkham games blimps are freaking everywhere and they're just the best man like blimps are the coolest thing ever especially when referring to batman i i just i don't know i i love blimps um and so jim gordon's entire bat cave is just in this giant blimp uh floating above um gotham city and uh and as jim gordon becomes batman just like what happened when dick grayson was batman and just like what happens with bruce wayne is that the villains in gotham and gotham city itself starts to shape itself to batman and so the villains start to become people who have much more significance to Jim Gordon than they would to Bruce Wayne. Um, namely, this the big villains, the main focus for this story arc, uh, called Mr. Bloom. And Mr. Bloom is basically somebody who sprouted, uh, pardon the pun, out of the case files of Jim Gordon, you know, somebody that he dealt with when he was a police officer. Um, and, and has a lot to do with a lot of the cases that he worked and, uh, and is this new villain who has these seeds that give people superpowers. They kind of turn them grotesque and, and he's able to like bring people back from the dead and all this crazy stuff. Um, but they give people superpowers and he's trying to, you know, sort of in, in a similar way to, uh, like Bane in the dark Knight rises, bring the underclass of Gotham, um, to take control of their city and, and kind of this, you know, anarchist way. Um, and, uh, and Jim Gordon is basically tasked with preventing that, um, and, and beating this seemingly unstoppable, grotesque mutant, uh, Mr. Bloom. Um, and it goes on for quite a while with Gordon just trying to figure out who he is, how he works, all this stuff. Um, and while that's all going on, Bruce Wayne is still kind of trying to find himself. Uh, with no memories of being the Batman. And eventually he realizes who he was, you know, toward the end of the story. Mr. Bloom is absolutely just wreaked havoc on Gotham. It's the worst destruction they've seen since the Zero Year. And uh, and Batman decides that he needs to, or Bruce Wayne decides that he needs to take some action. He knows that he was at one point capable of stopping this. And so he confronts Alfred, Um and basically forces Alfred to tell him about who he was and who he used to be. And, uh, and Bruce, before he died, set up this backup plan where he built this machine in the Batcave that's basically able to, um, restore, you know, almost like a backup that you would put on your computer. It's able to restore, uh, the mind and the body of, uh, of, batman back into bruce wayne and he has all these alternate versions of uh of that batman um he has like 50 different versions of batman from all sorts of different uh realities or places or things like that and i think some of it was from like batman incorporated it might tie into the the grant morrison stuff um 
but he brings himself back into the game and, and brings Batman back with a rejuvenated body without any of the scar tissue and, and all that other stuff that's built up over the years. Um, but with all the experience and, and thought and, and, uh, mental awareness of, of, uh, Batman who's been at it for years and years. Um, so he comes in and, and basically helps Jim Gordon stop Mr. Bloom and all is well. Um, and that's where it, uh, kicks into the Batman story that I was talking about, uh, toward the beginning of the show where we are with DC rebirth. So anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Scott Snyder, just a fantastic writer. Um, very, very, very verbose. Uh, a lot more wordy than most comic book writers tend to be, uh, which can be good and bad. You know, his storylines tend to be big 10 to 12 issue arcs that take up an entire year of, of comic publishing, um, which can be enjoyable, but can also feel very, uh, very intense. Um but, you know, I, I mean, his his run on Batman was absolutely um, just kind of a, a, a landmark or a tentpole for Batman's storytelling and how good it can be. Um, and I do not envy Tom, Tom King with the task that he's taken up in taking over for Scott Snyder um, after that just incredible five-year run on the character. Um, but obviously Tom King does have very capable hands. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, just, just reading all that and especially Scott Snyder's last issue on Batman was a mirror of his very first issue on Batman. Um, in his first issue, it starts out with Batman, you know, basically it's just kind of a, you know, a table setting issue where it's establishing the world and all that. Um, and, uh, and he's talking about this Gotham is column where it's, you know, this thing in the Gotham Gazette. Uh, where citizens of Gotham talk about, you know, and they sum up what Gotham is and what it means to them in, in just, you know, one word. Gotham is blank. Um, you know, and it was a very interesting issue, um, you know, and kind of set up a lot of the things that Snyder would would continue to uh, to pay off on in the future. And then in his very last issue, it's basically a night where Batman doesn't really have anything to do nothing major is going on and he's just on the prowl looking around in gotham city for any crimes that he can stop um meanwhile it's going through the whole gotham is motif and uh, the writer of that gotham is column um talks about how there have been plenty of people who have written the column beforehand and plenty of people who will write it after him um and he says you know his job is to to take what other people uh see in Gotham and, and take what other people write and interpret and, and find the meaning behind that and find the value behind it and give his take or his interpretation on it. Um, and he goes on to thank Batman for what, uh, what his influence has been on that. And it's kind of, you know, this writer in this, in this article is basically serving as, um, an analog for Scott Snyder himself and in talking about the Gotham is column and talking about his job, you know, on that uh, particular column, he's basically talking about himself and his run on Batman. That plenty of people have written it before him, and plenty of people will write after him. But his job was to take that story and interpret it in a way that is relevant for the people reading it, um, and to give his spin on it and his opinion, and, and really tell his version of that uh, of that myth that that will outlive all of us. Um, and it was really cool and, and absolutely just heartening and, and a, 
a great single issue of comics. I mean, I I really think that that issue deserves an Eisner nomination, and I hope it gets one. Um, because it is, and in those 20 pages, it just does manage to tell a very great Batman story um, that has nothing, it has no action in it, really. Um, and that was awesome. Uh, and it kind of, you know, it, it almost brought a couple of tears to my eyes. Um, which was, uh, you know, it was nice. Um, and he's somebody that obviously cares very deeply for the, the Gotham world and, and is not leaving it. He's, uh, he's now writing a story that'll be upcoming called all-star Batman, uh, which sort of seems like it might be a bit less of a long form story. Like he's consistently done. Um, and this one, as he's, uh, said before is like Batman meets Mad Max, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that is and, and how his take on that would go. But, uh, yeah, I mean this, I don't know, I guess this whole episode has just been me talking about Batman. Um, but that's where my head's been lately. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's been really fun to just kind of dig deep to the bottom of, uh, of the Batman well and, and revisit that. Cause it's been a little while since I've done some heavy Batman, uh, reading and watching. Uh, anyway, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, Hopefully I won't have to do too many more one person episodes. Uh I'm sure uh I'm sure they're not near as entertaining as uh as the dialogues are. Um and they're definitely not as entertaining for me to do cuz you know in my opinion my thoughts are probably the least interesting thoughts out there. Um you know at least at least for me I don't I don't want to hear my own thoughts. I hear them all day. I would much rather hear uh, other people talking on the end. So Anyway, uh, look out for our new episodes in the future. Um, I'm really excited about some of the people that we'll be having on. Um, and, uh, and it's going to be great to find other people's stories and, and other people's inspirations. And, you know, whether we're talking just general geek stuff or, or talking about uh, their own lives or inspirations or stories, um, I'm excited to see where it takes us. And, uh, and I hope you'll all enjoy that as well. Um, and again, I, uh, you know, it is... It is a bit weird uh, knowing that, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, we'll be doing this show without Chase. Because, uh, you know, obviously, as you know, listening to the show, he has been the, uh, you know, the half of the show. He's uh, He's been a great contributor and, you know, and he's he's one of my best friends. Um, and so it is, uh, it's very interesting moving on with the show um, without him. Um, however... Uh, my, you know, my number one hope, my biggest hope is that, uh, is that some way, uh, you know, we'll be able to, to continue doing the show with him at some point. Um, when I go back to Salt Lake for Salt Lake Comic Con in September, I'm hoping that we can, uh, you know, get a couple episodes recorded there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, uh, bittersweet thing coming out here and, uh, and doing what I'm doing, um, because it's exciting, uh, for the new opportunities ahead, but it's also very, uh, I don't know, you know, it's, it's a little sour in a way of, uh, having to, to leave so many great aspects, uh, of my life behind. Um, you know, obviously I'm still, uh, going to be doing the Savage Land podcast, but, you know, I'm not going to be in the room with, uh, with Matt and with Rachel and, and on occasion, uh, Mitch and Josh, uh, there to just sort of talk face to face, you know, I'm going to be, uh, out here remotely talking to them. Um, you know, and then same with Chase, uh, being that he, you know, doesn't have obviously the, uh, recording equipment or, or studio type setup 
to be able to to continue to do the show um on a consistent basis you know it is uh i don't know it's uh it's it's not awesome uh having to do do the show without him but uh but again, it is very exciting to uh, to go to an area that's that's totally new in just exploring other people's uh, stories and 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 experiences. Um, but again, I mean, my my biggest hope is to be able to continue to to do the show with Chase at some point, um, and uh, you know, and, and continue those that thing that we started uh, over a year and a half ago. Um, which, you know, obviously in the grand scheme of things doesn't seem like a, a lot of time, but I mean, it's been, you know, it's been over 50 episodes now, um, that, that we've done and, you know, and, and we've talked about it a bit on the show, but, uh, obviously there's just, there's so many different aspects of this whole TMBC thing that, uh, that we all want to do, you know, myself, Chase, Josh, Matt, Rachel, um, all these aspirations that, uh, that we're hoping to, to accomplish whether it be with these podcasts with our youtube channel um with the uh with the cartoons that we've all been uh been kind of uh plotting and developing and writing together um you know obviously as well as uh as well as the comic books i've been writing and and all sorts of different things you know i mean there's just there's so many things that we want to accomplish together as sort of this uh this this group um and I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think that, uh, all those things that we've talked about doing and all those things that we've kind of started the path on doing, I think we will get them done at some point and hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, you know, but there is, uh, there is sort of that part of it that's like, uh, you know, in, in being so far away, it becomes less easy to accomplish those things. Um, especially being in like a different time zone and all that stuff. There's just, you know, there's a lot of things that, uh, that interrupt that process. Um, but again, I, I do think that, uh, that we will see a lot of those things to fruition as time goes on. Um, you know, and, and my biggest hope is that we can all, that we can all explore those, those things that we've talked about and, and explore that side of ourselves, you know, getting to be, creative and and getting to explore those concepts and ideas uh that we've had in our heads because i think i think each one of us has really cool things that we want to try um you know i mean josh matt chase rachel uh, myself as well i mean we've all got so much floating around there so many influences and so many different things that uh that have inspired us and and it's really just about finding finding the means to accomplish it and finding, you know, how exactly we would, uh, we would like to get that done. Um, anyway, I mean, I don't know this, this whole, uh, little ramble here for the last uh, few minutes doesn't really have a point, uh, which I guess is probably pretty common, uh, in the things that I say, but I don't know. I guess really the point is that, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad I've taken this step and I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm out here, in the place I want to be and, and on the road I want to be on and, and in a place that's uh, much more accessible for some of the people that I'd like to talk to and bring on this show, um, as well as some of the methods that I'd, I'd like to utilize to expand the, uh, the reach that we have and expand, uh, the, the scope of what we're doing. Um, very glad to be out here, but it is bittersweet because, uh, you know, my collaborators and, and, and best friends are all, uh, back there in Salt Lake and, uh, you know, and that, that kind of sucks. I mean, 
you know, and not and not in a way where I'm like bitter, like oh, they they should all be out here too, because I mean, fuck, I mean, everyone everyone has their life, everyone's everyone's got their own thing, and it's it's really hard to leave, you know. I mean, and it's and it's not what everyone wants to do, um, you know. I mean, Matt's Matt's married and has a house in Salt Lake, uh, you know. Everybody, all of us are are from there. Um, Josh and myself weren't. Uh, and and I think Matt as well weren't born in Utah, but most of us spent the large part of our formative years uh, out there, and it's you know it's somewhere that's that's very deeply rooted for us, and you know and it and it helped form and inform a lot of uh, a lot of who we became, and that's a really hard thing to leave behind. And I know, you know, I know that uh, you know that like Matt for one would not want to leave that behind at all. I mean he's a he's a very you know outdoorsy you know, likes to be sort of in, in in a somewhat isolated area. And, uh, you know, and he said before he would absolutely hate LA. Um, you know, Chase, Chase is kind of in that middle ground where he's talked before about wanting to come out here, but at the same time, he's, you know, he's, he's very comfortable out there in Utah and, and, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he rides his freaking dirt bikes and, and works on his cars and in the area that, that Chase and I lived, um, you know, it's kind of, it's not, it's a small town without being a super small town. I mean, it's got all the amenities that you'd want and, but it, it is very, very comfortable, very friendly, very welcoming. And, uh, you know, and you live there long enough and, you know, and there's a, there's a big charm and appeal to it. Um, and Josh as well, you know, Josh lives in a, a similar area to where Chase and I lived. Um, and, and Rachel also, I mean, you know, she's, she's in an area and, and, and in a place that she's been for a while with a great job and, and obviously, you know, dating somebody and, and all that. I mean, you, you get enough relationships and enough years of, of where you lived and, and the life that you've built for yourself. And I mean, there's, there's no way you'd want to leave it behind because that's, you know, it's everything you're doing. Um, and so really, I mean, the, the biggest part of it for all of us is that we all, we all want to accomplish all these things that we've talked about. Um, but now we're at the part where we need to figure out how to make that work logistically being in different places, um, you know, and having obviously different skill sets for what we're all uh, capable of doing. Um, and, in, and there are some areas that we, that we need that none of us are fully capable of doing, um, like specifically animating and, and illustrating and things like that. And so that's been something that I've, uh, been trying to slowly grasp and learn um to sort of uh to sort of figure that out um and so you know with the things like uh, like the cartoons and some of that other stuff it'll probably take a little longer than others because just the simple you know learning how to get it done because this is kind of a uh garage band situation where you know we're only capable of doing the things that we can do ourselves Obviously, you know, if we were working for some company and our job was to create this content, then it'd be a different case because, you know, you just hire employees to do that. Um, but we're all doing it on our own time. Um, you know, Matt is now, uh, you know, basically co-producing the Savage Land podcast. And, uh, you know, and, and I mean, I'm producing this and, and we'll uh, hopefully very soon continue to do the YouTube videos. And I'm also, you know, doing the publishing on the comic book and all that stuff. And it's, you know, we're all doing it out of necessity. I'm sure we'd, we'd love to just like have other people uh, helping us 
do those things, but you know, it's just, it's about what's realistic and, and what we can do because you know, that, I mean, that's just what it is. Um, and it's really fun because we get to explore that, but, uh, obviously it prevents presents challenges with how quickly we can get things done. And, and when we do get them done, you know, the quality that they'll be. And so whenever it happens that we do release our first, uh, our first cartoon, I'm sure that the animation quality is going to be pretty shoddy at best. Um, you know, but we're hoping that, uh, that the heart and the storytelling of, of the things that we put out is really going to be the, the driving force there. Um, and that's certainly my hope with this comic book. Cause if, if I'm illustrating it guarantee you, the artwork's not going to be fantastic. Um, but that really, uh, you know, all it does is present the challenge to make, make my writing, good enough that uh, it'll allow you to look past the probably terrible artwork um that i'll be producing anyway uh i've rambled on long enough um but i just uh i want to say thank you to all of the listeners that are uh, continuing to listen to the show um and i just want to express how excited i am uh, to bring some of these people onto the show and, and again, just explore, explore other people's stories and, and hear, you know, hear from a lot more people than, uh, than we've typically heard from on the show before. You know, typically it's been, uh, two, two white kids in their early twenties, uh, just talking about movies, which has been awesome. And I love doing, and it's, you know, I mean, that's, that's what Chase and I would be doing whether or not we had microphones in front of our faces. You know, we, we started the show, just talking about stuff because that's all we did anyway. Um, you know, and, and I hope to preserve that spirit of the show and, and, and keep those things like that going. But, uh, but it is very exciting to be able to bring in, um, so many other views and, and experiences and, and stories, uh, into the show. And so I'm excited to, to infuse this sort of, uh, familiar personality and landscape with, uh, with some unfamiliar people. Um, so just want to say thank you to all you, uh, all you listeners out there. Um, you know, if you've liked the show, if you like either of the shows that we, uh, that we've been putting out on a mostly weekly basis for the last, uh, couple of years, you know, uh, share it with a friend, rate it and review it on iTunes. Um, you know, I mean, it's, we are definitely, it's a program that, uh, is hard to find, you know, by accident it's not very easy to find our show if uh, if you're not looking for it so any word of mouth is always appreciated and uh and you're all awesome so anyway that uh that pretty much does it for this week uh you can find us on any social network at that might be cool um and uh yeah i mean tweet at me uh follow our instagram or facebook whatever you'd like or go on our website that might be cool.com uh, we do have our Amazon link and our Acorns link on there. If you'd like to support the show without having to, uh, you know, just straight up hand us money, um, you can support the show by going to thatmightbecool.com and clicking on the Amazon link or uh, or our Acorns link. You can find both in the show notes for the show. Click on that info button or, or the more button or whatever button it is in the app you're using, and you'll find all of our links there. Um, but Amazon and Acorns are the uh, the two best ways you can find to uh, support our show, and uh, hopefully they're beneficial to you as well. Obviously, we know what Amazon does for you, um, but Acorns is an awesome, awesome, awesome app that I use um, that basically just helps you save money without having to worry about 
setting money aside to save. Um, really great stuff. Anyway, uh, check out the show notes for that and uh, look for our uh, our episode next week. Hopefully, we will not be missing any weeks in the foreseeable future. Um, and enjoy more mixtapes with the song Bad Parts.